wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Leah Follett. a quirky journey. Join us as we share our family's journeys to good health. You'll find plenty of inspiration, tips and recipe ideas as well as stories from everyday people who've struggled and overcome health problems and diet challenges in their own families. I'm Jo Witten, author of the blog and book Quirky Cooking and I'm here with my friend and co-host Leah Follett. Hi Leah. G'day, how are you? Good. And today we also have a special guest named Kristen Morrison, who's a good friend of mine, and she is the author of the book Naturally Better, and she's the co-founder of the Grow Foundation, and we can't wait to share her story. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you, girls. What an honor. We're so excited to hear your story and share it with everybody because it's absolutely amazing what you've been doing. So I think the news definitely needs to get out there more. Yeah, and I struggled, you know, trying to find information on uh, Facebook and I'm trying to like, what's this story? What's the background? Because Joe's like, oh, yeah, we're going to talk to this person and she does this. And I'm like, okay. So I've been to the website and I've absorbed all the information I can get from there and I, I really wanted to read the book. <laughs> but, you know, like, I'm like, oh, damn it, I just sorry. want to read the forward in the first couple of pages. So uh-huh. sorry, I, I um, chucked Have to you, one. Yeah. Yeah. Chucked yeah. you into yes. this straight away and didn't, didn't give you enough warning to read the book no, first. No, well, that, well. You know, but like I wouldn't okay. have time to, but it's just looking at, I've, I've absorbed what I can and I'm intrigued. So, so hurry Chris, up and let's get on with it. Yeah, Kristen will explain it anyway. Okay, so, cool. So well, to, well yeah. let me just say, we're going to talk about, um, Kristen's going to share with us her personal journey um, mm-hmm. of how she's worked at healing her family and why she follows a natural lifestyle approach to parenting. Um, and... She's going to talk about her, um, her approach to healing children with neurological challenges. Yes. So, Kristen, <laughs> if you could maybe start a little bit at the beginning and give us your story first, that would be great. Yeah, sure. So okay. um, I have two daughters who are teenagers now, and um, we, I have grown up in a family that was very natural therapy-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had two beautiful home births and my kids were drug-free and every time there was something wrong with them, we went to the naturopaths and that was just, you know, the status quo for our family. And then when I had my third child, um, another home birth, all beautiful, and then um, he arrived and we discovered he had Down syndrome, which because I hadn't had, you know, I probably should have, but I hadn't had the intrusive testing because I was a bit older, um, I didn't know. We had no idea. Yeah. And um, anyway, so he was fairly healthy for a child with Down syndrome, but nonetheless, there was this situation. Yeah. And um, so I did what um, I thought was the sensible thing to do and went to see my GP expecting that he was going to give me some kind of catalogue or some kind of brochure for a place that might give me advice on what to do with a child with Clearly, some kind of you know. I mean, I didn't even know what neurology was back then. But oh, sorry, my phone's ringing. <laughs> I'll just turn that off. Oh man, Joe, we were just getting to the good stuff. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Gone now. <laughs> Keep going. Anyway, now. so I thought he was going to give me a whole lot of advice for someone in my shoes with my sort of philosophy, but he had nothing. Mm. And um, thankfully, we had the internet because, as my oldest daughter said, if this had happened when she was born, I would have been in all sorts of trouble. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, my naturopath had no clue. Really no one around us had any tips or help. So How are you? 
How Sorry? were you coping with it all, like when you found out that he had Down syndrome and, and you sort of didn't have the support? How were you coping? Um, look, luckily I'm very close to my mum yeah. um, who was my sounding board. It actually took a week for us to get the diagnosis confirmed and I tell you, it was hell. Oh, it was I bet. a week from hell because we weren't sure whether to tell anyone. We weren't sure whether it was going to be a problem. Yeah. You know, he didn't have a lot of the features. Yeah. Um, so it was inconclusive. Anyway, so when we found out, yeah, I was a mess. I was an absolute mm. basket case. I had a business. I had stuff. And um, when I started to do my own uh, research into, you know, once we had the diagnosis confirmed, I started to research and realised that he, he was going to require complete and utter immersion in some sort of protocol to um, give him a chance. Yeah. I knew I had to give up my business, which was a fashion label, and I was, you know, in love with it and oh. um, really didn't even have the headspace to sell it. I just dismantled it and um, and walked away from a career and started something which has been a whole lot more satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we've heard before, isn't it, Leah? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And my mum kept saying to me, "Hun, you know, something amazing is going to come out of this. And I kept looking at her through the tears thinking, you know, don't, don't feed me that rubbish. Yeah. But um, it's so true because we, you know, look, I, I basically layered about eight different therapies um, and got very lucky in that I happened upon the right information at the right time. Mind you, my mum was Googling, I was Googling, and um, so it was hours and hours of research went into it. But I did happen to layer things on which got results remarkably quickly and I could see that if I just gave up everything else and just be there for my kids and my little baby with a problem that I'd probably get some sort of a result. So, um, and luckily also because obviously being on a computer and emailing doctors overseas and having sort of threads from every search I'd ever done, there came a point where Griffin was doing exceptionally well. He had no health issues. Our paediatrician, despite himself, couldn't find anything wrong with him. Um, the guy who, when I first went to him, I said, look, you know, I'm into natural therapies. I'm going to want to give him supplements. And he said to me, don't waste your money on omega-3s, buy a big TV. What? So, yeah. He said, oh. you, you, need, you need to buy, don't waste your money because if you buy a big TV, it'll give you escape and solace and, you know. Oh, oh I'm shocked. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's awful. You're oh. horrifying, huh? Mm -hmm. wow. So this same paediatrician, despite himself, by the time Griffin was 12 months old, was sort of writing messages, to, letters to my GP, which my GP shared with me. He was saying, well, whatever she's doing, it's working. Ah. <laughs> um, so people started to talk him up, you know, in our communities, like a sort of friendship group, etc. People started to hear that Griffin was doing really well and so I started to get emails from strangers saying oh my sister's just had a baby with down syndrome or you know whatever do you have something that could help and because i had an electronic sort of um footprint of everywhere i'd been um i started to put together some sort of a document to share and then by the time he was three and a half i thought no, i have to publish a book because he's just oh, he doesn't even look like a child with downs he's yeah. he was walking he was talking he was social um Really, he was reading when he wow. was two. He was reading. He was able to read books. What? <laughs> and I don't mean I don't mean pick up a novel and read it out loud. No. But he could actually recognise, indicate that he could recognise words. Wow. Um, yeah. 
So. Oh my gosh, early intervention. Like yeah. I, I completely missed the boat on that because um, I had my head stuck in the sand. I had no idea. He was my firstborn, so I missed everything and no one wanted to tell me that there was something slightly different about my child. Mm. I mean, yes. And that's fair enough and I probably wouldn't have listened to them anyway, but everyone I've spoken to and even the school systems, they're throwing funding for early intervention and extra help and this and, oh, just amazing that you've been able to do that. Mm. Yeah, well, the thing is too, Leah, that with Down syndrome there are physical traits which give it away and yeah. so you know a lot of people think that that means that we're the lucky ones because you can intervene from birth mm. whereas children who don't present with any sort of autistic symptoms until they're two or three or whatever you know you might have been able to intervene earlier had you had that tip off you know mm-hmm. what sort of physical yeah. symptoms so i haven't ever coached anyone that or you know have had anyone in my community that has downs what makes downs different to other than what we see, you know, like is there anything internally that's different or, you know, in that biomedical sphere um, that you look, can share? You know, there are, you know, if you look at the symptoms that are typical of an adult with Down syndrome going back to, you know, documentations from the 50s, um, what, you know, that this horrible word mental retardation, right? So mm-hmm. that's like the, the absolute... Achilles, all these these parents diagnosis, that's the thing you fear the most. Um, My personal view is, and from everything I've read, if a child is born with practically no nasal bridge because of the shape of the skull of a baby with Down syndrome, they really rarely have much of a nasal bridge. And as the the skull grows, um, there's this, you know, physical obstruction to airflow to the brain. Mm, okay. And so if you can get in there and with osteopathy, you can build a nasal bridge, you can help the, the skull to grow and develop the way that nature intended. And if you can also, you know, flood the body with good nutrition and supplements and keep the toxins away, then there's more of a flow of oxygen to the brain. Of course, the brain grows more typically and that sort of um, mental fallout is not such a big issue potentially. Wow. Okay. All right, I need yeah. to give you a visual right now. Do you have you ever seen Alice in Wonderland? The of cartoon, <laughs> the Disney cartoon. Yeah. You know the Cheshire Cat, the pink and purple thing with the big stupid yeah. grin. That's yeah. me right now. I'm sitting <laughs> here with a grin ear to ear. I knew you would and be. I'm just like my eyes are going crazy. <laughs> That's seriously impressive that you can do that. Like oh, like osteopathy oh, is something that we use. Um, and craniosacral stuff with William and, you know, yeah. with reflux and uh, breastfeeding issues and all that other stuff. But to hear yeah. you say something, oh, that's just profound. I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> it is. I'm so excited. And these osteopaths that we found who comment on having children with autism who their behaviours change just from having osteo and cranio work, um, you know, it is profound. I mean, the, the, the pressures on the head affect everything. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Mm. Yeah, it's very it's exciting. And there's actually, there's about, um, I think it's about 15 pages of colour, full colour photos in the middle of my book. And there's a series of six photos of Griffin in profile because I was, you know, I was wow. in documentation mode and would take a photo religiously every 30 days. That's so <laughs> good that you did that. Well, because I wanted to see for myself that yeah. what I was doing was making a difference, you know. She was and- a proud mama. Yeah. I was, yeah. but also I, I kind of I think on some level I knew that at some point this is this was going to be important yes. um, for somebody else. Um, but anyway, when you look at these photos of Griff from 
birth to age three and his nasal bridge just gradually coming out more and more mm. it's amazing and that's just osteo that's amazing yeah very exciting and I, I find it exciting to meet people like you with children who have recovered and mm. in recovery and you know it's, it's just so powerful and how wonderful is the internet that we get to find each other yes know? exactly I know, I know I know and their diagnosis ends up being their quirk or the thing that makes them interesting it's not that defines them and it's not the labels that they've got it sort of starts to disappear the harder you work and the more different therapies you bring in the, you know it just changes the child mm. yeah really that's does right. that's yeah. right oh, so yes. what so what happened so, next well so i published my book and it was pretty sort of home jobby i did it on microsoft word and you know oh good on you <laughs> <laughs> so good i was really only writing it for to share amongst you know sort of like me with my blog it's like when people keep asking you go well i've got to do something to share it with them and this is the easiest way and that's it's true. amazing what you know what's come from it Yes, that's book. right. I know. I'm and sure you did, must have helped so many people with it. Well, you know, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. So what, what happened was I published it and then got some very constructive criticism to say it looks terrible. <laughs> and for the message, you really need to do it properly. So I did it properly and I was very fortunate because I got an endorsement for the cover from Deborah Lee and Hugh Jackman, which was a bit of a coup. <laughs> Can you, wow. can you explain who that is? Because some, some of us like me might not know. <laughs> so Hugh Jackman is Hugh Jackman. Wolfman. Oh, Hugh Jackman. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, I do know, you know who that like is. You're, you okay. live in far north Queensland, but that's saying? not like another galaxy. <laughs> I know, it is a bit of another galaxy up here. I've been told I live in a nursery rhyme. <laughs> Pretty much. Anyway, so, you know, Deborah Lee is, is hugely, um, she's a very strong advocate for children, especially adopted children and a lot of children with down syndrome are adopted out mm, sad um so i really struck a chord with them yeah. um plus their association with the mind foundation sort of all resonated so anyway um yes yeah, so i got this wonderful endorsement from them and then i just sent it out to a whole lot of um, pediatricians and experts all over the world and got some fantastic testimonials in the book has now sold in about 38 countries. I get emails every week from Finland and, you know, parts of America and all over the place from parents saying, just want you to know I read it and now my child's walking or now my child can see or... Wow, that just must oh. be such an amazing feeling. It is. It really is. And, you know, it's funny because I think this often, I mean, I wrote that book four, three or four years ago and... At the time, it was cathartic. I cried. I laughed. I went away for four days and put it together, and it what? was really emotional. <laughs> four journey. days. Well, you know, I kind of had all this email and text, and I just downloaded everything and wrote, put it all out in a chronological line through the hotel room. That's amazing. <laughs> and um, but yeah, it was amazing as an experience for me to get away and do that, yeah. and then to sort of you know put the photos etc through. But um, it's kept alive now. Yeah. through my readers yeah. you know and um yeah it's enormously um satisfying and it's i think one of the biggest challenges is that it's not just for children with downs as you girls would know very well the <laughs> sort of stuff that you do that you know this kind of approach is what all of us need really yeah. and 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 but the thing with down syndrome is there is such a catalog of things that can go wrong and there's a couple of pages in my book which is basically like the menu of what 
was being presented to me. Every blog, every website I I read, it's like you can expect this, 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 and this, and they're all horrific. Mm. But if you break each one of them down and go, okay, well that one you can help that with osteo. That one you can help with you know, neurological exercises, which are targeting different parts of the brain, and mm. and can help to make the movement symmetrical rather than favouring one side or. You know, you break it all down into actual individual symptoms and not look at it as a yeah. set that's going to happen no matter what you do. Oh, mm-hmm. right. So it's that yeah. little by little thing again, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Breaking things so down. So initially, sorry? No, keep going. Yeah, so initially the book was very much um, getting into the hands of parents of children with Downs, but now it's much more accepted you know by others whose children may or may not even have problems it's just you know I tried to explain you know what you were saying earlier Leah about science and you know we're just lay people who happen to find ourselves in these situations where we're forced to learn a whole lot of stuff that we probably never would have before Um, and it is a hell of a learning curve so I tried to keep my language really simple and explain neurology and nutrition and everything so that it was easy for a new mum who's probably wiping back the tears and also yeah. trying to pull information at the same time. Yeah, well, that, that was that was me. I was, mm. you know, went to these conferences and I didn't understand what the doctors were saying. I went to my appointments and I didn't understand what, you know, this biomedical approach was and what the yeah. testing was. I had no idea. So I had mm. to go and study first year um, Bachelor of, um, you know, Nutrition and Science yeah. to be able to understand that and then I pulled myself out. But yeah. I had to do that in order to understand where I was going, what I needed to do. Yeah. It was just, it was a huge thing. Mm. And I, that's I, why people like you two are so important in this kind of thing to help the mums bridge that gap between the doctor and, you know, being yeah. able to understand what they're even talking about because it must be so overwhelming. Absolutely. Oh. On yeah. every level. And then on top of all that, you've got to deal with your, your mum's reaction or your yeah. cousin's reaction or your husband's lack of reaction or, you know. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and your kids, the way the they're. kids even, yeah. Yeah, they're getting feedback from their friends at school about yeah. what's wrong with your brother and, yeah. you know, yeah. just having to deal with all that too. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just couldn't get out of my own way when we were first diagnosed. It was like um, we didn't have a very supportive um I suppose, psychologist that was helping us. She was just like, yeah, moderate autism. Yeah, he probably, and I asked, well, what does that mean? Because my idea of what autism was, was Gilbert Grape or, uh, you know, looking at those more stylized things, Rain Man, and and that's Mm. what I I had in my sphere. I had that TV version of what autism was. And then she's saying, well, you know, William probably won't be able to drive a car and he won't be able to do this and do that. And that's, you know, for at least six months, I then kid gloved him and just went, no, he's incapable of doing anything. This is all we've got to hope for for the future. And it wasn't until wow. I had to get out of my own way. Mm. And that was my biggest hurdle was I was in the, you know, the, the mummy guilt thing mm. and, you know, the self-pity thing. And, and I wasn't actually proactive for that first six months. It was me regrouping. Yeah. And, you know, I was busy the whole time. I didn't sit still. I just, you know, fluffed around the house and, and did whatever. But I was just hopeless. Yeah. That ter- turn around, that picked me up and turned me around from smack, here's a diagnosis to, well, what am I going to do with six months? Yeah. How long did it take you to get hold of things and get going? Because you did it fairly mm. quickly. Yes. Well, but again, that's because there were well, yeah, all sorts of reasons, but I think I'm a little bit manic. <laughs> okay. So, Leah. You can, you can, I'm manic, but I'm not resilient. Yeah. So. Okay. 
yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not impervious. Obviously, you are. Chris. No, no, no. <laughs> I think I'm I... In- hey? Sorry, I was just going to say, I'm interested to know, what was it like? Like, um, I was fairly lucky in the sense that I had um, resources in my community. I was in Brisbane at the time. There were conferences coming. There was doctors everywhere. You know, like I had my pick between Brisbane and the Gold Coast and I had facilities and services. Did you have that as far as an education thing to field out to and you had lots of practitioners that you knew? Not at all. Um, okay, so you had to start so, that. You had to start well, your healthcare thing from scratch. Absolutely, because you know autism. There's quite a lot going on in the autism community, and oh. even though a lot of that is applicable to Down syndrome, most of the people in the autism community don't really know much about it. So, no, there certainly wasn't um, something to tap into. Mm. I just spent a lot of time on the phone finding who seemed to be the best qualified to help with the approach I wanted to take and um, those practitioners are now busy all the time and their waiting rooms are, you know, I know most of the people in their waiting rooms. Wow, that's so good. (laughs) And even if I don't know them, I'll walk in there and they go, oh, we're here because of you. And I'm not, and I'm not, you know, I'm very humble about this. But She's very humble. She doesn't even hardly sell her books because she doesn't put them in a shop no she has now well she's just offered to post <laughs> yeah. me one so she's always she's giving them away giving it away <laughs> i love but it you know, but that's how you feel isn't it it you is it is you just want to help everybody with it oh my god yeah. she's so me she's so gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> both of you oh, oh dear a bit, a bit mushy a bit yeah. mushy yeah, it's like that, you know. It's kind yeah, of being laid bare and you find people on the same journey and you feel an incredible connection, don't you? You do. Mm-hmm. I've got people on Facebook that I'm, you know, call extremely dear friends. I wouldn't know them if I passed them in the street. I know everything about their families and yeah. their kids and <laughs> every illness they've ever had. But how, you know, how do these people contact you? Um. Oh, I took my phone number off the website. A couple of ago. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah, have them turning up at your door. Staring dinner, and I get a call from a parent. I'll be there an hour and a half later. Oh. Um, no, look, mostly it's um, email. Yeah, uh, Just, so through website. your website. Yeah, but look, to be honest, um, there's a there are a number of Down syndrome communities where they don't even talk to me each other anymore. They talk amongst each other and. Um, find out information about Griffins <laughs> and help each other with it, you know, because it's a few years down the track now. So yeah. a lot of it's sort of become mainstream in its own setting. You need to explain exactly what Grow Foundation is and does. That would be good. Yeah. So when um, about 10 months after I published the book, I met a mutual friend who just was enamoured by the story and she um, offered to hold a fundraising event for our family because these things all cost money and I, you know, down tools on my company and published the book and, you know, anyway, so she, she offered to hold a fundraiser for us personally and then when she told me she wanted to hire a mansion and she wanted to, you know, <laughs> like silent auctions, it was a big shebang and I said, look, you know, why not just, why help just me when we could just make that into a foundation launch and we could actually help lots of other parents and I'll sell some books, whatever, I'll benefit at some point. But, um, you know, that way we can kind of, you know, help lots of people. So, bless her heart, she and her husband jumped on board and we started Grow and we rented that mansion. 
<laughs> we had our launch event and we now, for the, this is the third year running, we now bring the Institutes, um, which is an organisation in Philadelphia that I found, who um, we bring them out here every year now to train Australian parents. So basically... Um, the Institutes, they're called the Institutes of the Achievement of Human Potential, and they are an extraordinary group that was founded in the 50s. They travel the world training parents in work they can do at home in a sort of a homeschooling kind of setting mm-hmm. um, with the specific goal of um, rehabilitating children neurologically. So, they te- yeah, it's wild. They teach you how to teach your child to read, to do maths and when I say that Griffin could read at two, that wasn't because I wanted to have this extraordinarily smart child. It was because I understood the Institute's approach, which was that if you give masses of visual stimulation, you're going to boost the visual pathway, which in turn means that they'll be able to see, hopefully without glasses. Wow. Um, and Griffin doesn't wear glasses and um, doesn't have any visual problems. A lot of kids have spatial issues. A lot of children with um, Down syndrome have spatial issues. They have trouble going up and down stairs because of their depth perception. Mm. And all these things, you know, come back to the visual pathway. So the institutes give you exercises you can do apart from the reading. There's other uh, like monkey bars and things that you do which are fun and they might take eight hours a day every day, seven days a week. Yeah. (laughs) But the result is that you start to put in what they describe as neurological organisation. So instead of so, so the way that what they do when they do this week long course, which we're holding again here next month yes. um, here in Melbourne, um, what they do is they explain how to locate where in the brain the child's um, issue is, therefore what part of the brain is affected by their situation whether it's because they've had a blow to the head or down syndrome or whatever it is something has caused a problem in the brain they help you to locate it and then they help you to work out how severe it is and then they help you to work out a program which targets that area right specifically so for griffin that meant we had to do a lot of exercises which um promoted symmetrical movement and, um, you know, he went from doing the bum scoot, not being able to crawl at all, to crawling in perfect symmetry on all fours. And, you know, a lot of hippies from the 70s were into that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, now it's pretty it's, – it's an interesting fact. But if you look at an adult who can't crawl symmetrically, mm-hmm. um, chances are there's some kind of there, – well, there has been some kind of issue with learning. Yeah. And so for a child, if you can locate that problem when they're little, even up until, you know, their late teens, you can go back and do this sort of symmetrical movement and um, repair. Wow. We do um, sort of uh, kinesiology-based stuff, exercises before we actually start our schoolwork. So, you know, like we are crossing the left and right, you know, the parallel down the middle line yeah. down the middle and we're crossing we're doing the crawling and then we're doing the marching and we're you know opposite arm opposite knee and we're looking yeah. up to the right and looking up to the left and turning those pathways on before we sit down to do the schoolwork and that made it has made yeah. a huge difference That's just to preparing and getting everything integrated before we start our schoolwork yeah oh, same thing isn't it crazy i'm listening to your story and i'm sitting there thinking yep i do that i just call it something different but it's yeah. the same thing that's yeah. right. I know. Well, the thing, the thing for um, for Griff was, you know, I found all these different therapies, and then it wasn't until he was about ten months old that I heard about the institutes, and they pretty much embrace everything else that I had done, and they hold, they, they almost operate like a personal 
trainer. They coach you in what to do next and what to take out of the diet, which supplements to add in. You know, it's so helpful. I know. So it's kind of like having your hand held. Plus, you get this huge folder full of information that you can go back and refer to. So, yes, I know. I want to go and do their practitioner training. I want to add that to my health coaching. I want to add that to my wellness thing. That'd be amazing. (laughs) So, do they have practitioners in Australia? No, they don't. And we'll look, you know, the dream for Grow eventually would be that we have set up a centre over here for them. But, you know, it's all about funding and we're all busy people and have businesses and other responsibilities. So it's a case of how much we can do. But no, at the moment, no, they don't have practitioners. I mean, they have through my book and, and my connections and now the parents who are doing the Institute's work over here, there are a lot of very supportive practitioners and Mind Foundation is actually very, very supportive too because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they understand approach, very similar. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, that would be so good. So it's once a year yeah. in, in Melbourne. Yeah. And, and what they do is they train you and at the end of the week, it's a five-day course, at the end of the week you go home with a program that you can do with your child Sunset, sun up till sundown every day of the week. And you couldn't afford to pay a therapist to do all that work. No. But you know how to do it yourself and then you know what to add in when things, you know, improve and other things appear and, yeah. So you said the course is a week long? Yes. It is. And how much is that, can I just ask? It's $1,100 for one parent or $1,800 for two and then there's a $600 per person um, levy that goes towards the travel. But just to put it in context, when my husband went to Philadelphia to do this course, it cost us ten grand. And wow. when I went to Singapore, it cost us six. But now, you know, a couple can do it here for less than three grand, and that's, that's because amazing. yeah. So Grow Foundation raises funds, and then we offset the cost to keep it as low as we can for Australian parents. And Joe, your lovely friend Veronica, her happily made monkeys. Oh my God, they are just the most beautiful little knitted toys that yes. raise funds for Cambodian women and we now sell them as a fundraiser for um for Grow Foundation. Oh that's perfect. And they're made yeah, yeah they're the, they're the ones that are made by the Cambodian women, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Oh that's yeah. so good. I know. That's perfect because monkey bars are a huge part of yeah to do on this program. So that's so good that you've managed to get the price down so much. Yeah, I was thinking that's so mm. worth it. Look, it is, you know. I mean, and they haven't put the price up in years. And honestly, these guys work their butts off. Yeah. And they're actually, they're kicking some major goals. They've um, they've joined forces with the Novak Djokovic Foundation now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they're really getting the word out in Eastern Europe. And, wow. Uh, they're very, very popular in Spain. Okay. So, yeah. So how old is Griff now? He's eight. Okay, so at a mainstream school or like has he, what sort of support yep. have they got in place for him for the classroom? So he's in a mainstream school in grade two mm-hmm. and um, he's doing pretty well. He's one, one of the biggest problems we had with Griff, well, two, two problems really, was that he'd been home with me full time until the age of six mm-hmm. and so then going into a classroom where there were, you know, 24 other kids and they're all crazy interesting (laughs) and he just wanted to socialize with them he had a lot of trouble focusing yeah Mm -hmm. um so we tried him in montessori and that didn't work because the kids were all doing different activities in the classroom so we took him out of montessori and put him into mainstream and the other which was much better for him because all the kids are doing the same thing at the same time Mm -hmm. but the other challenge that he has really is that 
you know, the learning style that he's had at home, working one-on-one with someone um, who's giving him information in tiny bursts and then you go off and do something physical and you come back and you do another couple of minutes of academic and then go off and do some more physical activity. Um, it's quite different, obviously, from sitting yeah. in a classroom for two hours. Yes. Um, so he's overcoming that and he's getting better and better at, um, you know, doing what he's told and <laughs> he's got yeah. a lot friends he's extremely popular and, um, no he loves it I'll, I think I'll probably homeschool him for secondary yep mm-hmm. um, and why, yeah, why is that no, sorry why is that basically uh-huh. yeah and I do homeschool so <laughs> why is that yeah and look you're, you're probably one of the reasons really oh you want to think, well if she can do it I could do it <laughs> <laughs> oh look to be honest with you Six years at home with a child doing pretty much full-time therapy, mm-hmm. pretty much non-stop for six years, gets pretty intense. Oh, and I would. Really, oh, and I really felt like he needed to go off and have another life, you know. And you probably but, needed it too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Um, so, it's yeah. Intense. I, <laughs> it is very yeah. intense. Yeah. And, you know, he's... We are crazy close, and I'm sure we'll always be crazy close. But yeah. I just think, look, if he can go out and have this time in primary school, get involved with the community, you know, make lots of friends in the neighbourhood, and then for secondary, um, I'd look at doing it. I'll be ready by then. Yeah. And he'll be a lot more independent with his work and stuff by then too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, yeah. That's good. So, anyway, no, it's good. Good. It feels like it's going to be a happy ending. It's still an ongoing thing, you know. I'll probably um, get back into doing. I, I won't probably. I will definitely get back into doing some more therapy with him soon, just so we can finish off what we've done. I mean, I, in my opinion, I think we're probably ninety percent. Yeah. And um, you know, I certainly don't think that that means that we can't get to a hundred percent. But yeah. Um, very soon we'll get back into that. And can I just ask? I know Leah's interested in this too. I'm sure. What role do you think that organic food or nutrition or however you fed your son? Or supplements. Had, supplements. Or, how know, did like, that all play into it all? Well. I should look, mention that Kristen um, owns a health food shop that's called, oh, is it Street Organics now? You've changed the name? It is now, yeah. Street Organics. Whereabouts yes. is that? So we're in Melbourne and I yeah. set it up as, um, I actually set it up as a co-op to to supply um Yay, we love co-ops. yeah we do <laughs> <laughs> but i set it up to supply people all over australia because i was getting emails from people saying great now i've got your book but i live on a sheep station where do i get amaranth from yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of course yes and so i set it up so that i could basically ship it all over australia and then um being the uh retail individual that i am <laughs> i had to open a shop yeah, and it's such a lovely shop and cafe. Yeah. Every time I go to Melbourne, I've got to go there. Yeah. Well, where's my invitation? <laughs> I want to go to Melbourne. <laughs> Come on, let's go again. Let's go. Can we go to the Pan and Chocolate shop as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is that anywhere near that? I've seen it on Instagram and my head is like, Whoa. Oh, yeah, they're so uh-huh. good. Okay, so we're going to Street Organic and then we're going to the Pan and then we're go- we've got to pick up the book. Yes. <laughs> I'm set. I'm set. Next holiday. Brilliant. Book. She's got it all worked. Yeah. That's awesome. But, okay, yes, so, sorry, keep going suburb? about your... Which suburb? In Malvern. Straight, like right in Melbourne. Malvern. 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 Oh. Yeah. M-A-L-V-E-R-N. Very good. Uh, 
okay. Mm. Cool. So right, I'll have to Google that. So, so as far as what role it played, well, you know, getting back to what I was saying about if the from the point of view of a child being born who's already neurologically compromised, mm. um, you know, it was astounding to me that considering how healthy I was and I didn't drink and I was, you know, mm. always good to myself, but the, but a child with Down syndrome is malnourished when they arrive. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's because you're know, getting back to your question, Leah, about physiology, yes, there is a problem with absorption. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I just knew that I had to flood his body with, you know, food that was low in toxins and so I ate organic food and he, he only ever had the best of absolutely everything. And, yes, the supplements he started having from about day three, I think. Wow. And that was all to boost immunity because I wasn't going to immunise. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We did some homeopathic immunisation, but I was all, I was actually understanding that Griffin was immune compromised and malnourished. I thought I should vaccinate this child because oh, I've got to protect him. But my naturopath said, no, go and read this, 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 and this, and then come back to me and tell me you won't vaccinate this child. So we only did some homeopathic protection mm. for him which was our choice, that's fine, I stand by it, and he's healthy and never had anything major except a little respiratory problem he had last year. But apart from that, never had a problem. So I'm sure that a lot of that comes from having built a body on organic food and, mm. you know. Do you ever compromise on the organic? Like if you can't get something, do you abide by the, you know, the clean 15 and the dirty dozen or rule? Oh, look, at you all? know. Or I, you I, obviously having a shop, you have abundance, but you know, before that? Um, Yeah, the clean 15. But even then, um, look, I kind of think I grew up in the country with a mum who gave us brown rice and wholemeal everything. And so every time I went to a birthday party, I absolutely gorged myself on everything that was off the list and made myself horribly sick. And so I always thought, well, look, I'm not going to be like that with my kids. They can go to a party and they can eat what they want and then they can experience how shit they feel afterwards, which happened. And they got sensible of their own accord, and I and I still think, look, you know, Griffin has fish and chips, and I won't. I'll have it um, grilled. He won't have batter because he's wheat free, gluten free. Uh-huh. Um, I let him have some things because I just think, well, I can't keep him too protected. Otherwise, what happens when you know he's fifteen and he goes out to a party and you know he's never experienced mm. artificial colouring? Yeah. <laughs> I need to take a leaf from your book. <laughs> I'm just, I'm still back at the whole, oh, no, and, okay, so when William was at school, he wrote out a, you know, one of those brown paper bags and sent it in the tuck shop and he wanted to order a salad and they decided that, no, he didn't mean a salad. Even though he explicitly wrote salad, you know, a salad bowl on his bag, they assumed he needed a salad sandwich and they fed him bread, you know, oh, white bread oh, with oh, butter and we don't have dairy and we don't have gluten. Yeah. And he could, couldn't tie his shoes for a week. So, you know, it affects him. At that time, his gut issues were so vast. Like, he couldn't poo. His skin went funny. Like, he had all those issues. So Mm. he remembers that, and I'm quite happy with that. But for me, I'm still sitting there going, and and because I'm so well-read in those things, I go to, the mummy in me goes to panic station first. So I I need to change that for myself because now I think the kids are, you know, they scrutinise everything. And I try to get them to be, you know, kind and when they're questioning and and when they're refusing or saying no. And and because we've had little hiccups along the way, you know, like 
I, I'm, I'm there with you. But mm. at the same time, just, oh, yeah, I need to take more of a leaf out of your book and just, you know, <laughs> let be and let live and let go and hopefully it comes back. Yeah, I might be I might be the same as you, though, if I've been through GAPS. See, we never had to do GAPS. We did the Institute's diet, which is basically grain-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, salt-free, you know, it's, it's basically similar. coconut oil, lots of different coloured vegetables. And Sounds very similar. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's about it. But we didn't go right back to the hardcore gaps. Yeah. And and I honestly believe that a lot of what we've done has been preventative. And, again, because he arrived with this red flag, I was able to do all that preventative work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, if I've been through what you girls have been through with the gap start, I, I might feel more strongly about it. But, look, you know, Griffin's been to some parties. He's so social. He gets in, invited to so many birthday parties. And I... It's now gotten to the point where I, he says, drop me off and I'll see you later. So I just leave <laughs> cross my fingers and yeah. look, honestly, apart from occasionally maybe he'll get the runs, that's about yeah. it. Oh, that's good. Oh, really? So, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So, so it sounds like his gut is very healthy, really. We have to be able to talk about poo, don't we? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I love poo. Let's talk about poo. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a podcast without poo. I mean, no, I mean, just about everyone. Pee, you know, going off, okay, pee, poo, podcast, it all goes together. It just messes. Let's, let's go there. <laughs> I don't know. Um, with, with Down syndrome children, is it usually, do they have a lot of gut issues? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so that's all and, part of it. you know, a lot of these kids are so constipated. Oh, really? Um, it's debilitating in the extreme. Oh. And, um, look, I'll tell you another thing. I know we've spoken a lot about osteopathy in the institutes, but there's another thing, and it, it is kinesiology-based, but that's Nate. Um, mm -hmm. And Nate is a fusion of kinesiology and acupuncture. Mm -hmm. And it was founded by an Indian woman in California. But anyway, it basically targets intolerances and blockages and helps you to eliminate those blockages. And I know that Griffin has had probably 400 Nate treatments. Wow. Um, I've actually trained. I've done the training now so I can do Nate at home. I can't do it for anyone else, but I've trained to do it to help my family. And it's in incredibly beneficial to, you know, boosting, like in promoting and improving absorption. Hmm. And so I know that, a lot of these gut issues are just because the body's just not able to deal with mm. what's coming down the tube, you know? Yeah. And You're course, as insane as I am. She is. Like, I, I had to go, and go to uni and study that, but you've just gone one step further and you're doing, yeah. Oh, my gosh. No, it's madness. It's just, you know. <laughs> You've got to be insane when it comes to jo, looking after your kids. do you find these people? I don't just know. They're just digging up kindred spirits. I'm no, loving this. They're everywhere. It's, it's very awesome. Very it awesome. It's it great because Jo leaves the house. I don't leave the house. So Aww. she's got a life outside of her family. <laughs> I only get to talk to people on podcasts. I'm like the thing that's kept under the stairs. <laughs> so no. she goes out and finds these resources and these amazing people and brings them back. And I'm just like, yay, I get to speak to someone, a real person. Hey, don't worry. I met Kristen online. Oh, did you? Yes, I did. Oh, I have to do more stalking online. You will. <laughs> I, that's where I meet most of my amazing friends. I just meet them online and then when I go to their city, I go, right, we're getting together. Yeah. Oh, I've got to start doing that. Yeah. I'll just start stalking more of your stuff, Joe. I don't even look at your page. Oh. I don't even, I'm not even signed up to your newsletter yet. You have oh, to do that because okay. I keep forgetting. 
<laughs> you probably know it all anyway, Leah. I'll do it? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's all right then. I'm not missing out on anything. I keep you so, in touch. <laughs> Kristen, do you have a newsletter? Um, like, is there something like that um, we can sign up to that, you know, would give us updated information? Or, Just about you know, like to arc that up again, actually. I've sort of gone into hiding for a few years because my, my food business has gone completely ballistic and I've had to yes. really on that but I'm just about to arc it up again so so yeah so the naturallybetterkids.com website which also okay. needs a good overhaul but it's um it's there there's lots of success stories on there and um yeah are you an amazing um web designer and blogger or what <laughs> she does everything you. didn't you I'm know that I'm manic <laughs> so you did all that yourself as well yeah oh yeah. good on you yeah I knew it <laughs> You know what, Joe? For what? me, therapy is doing something creative. It is to me yeah. as well, definitely. And that's one of the reasons Instagram has been an absolute revelation for me. Isn't it I, wonderful? I, I, I love can, it. I, oh, I can go out into my garden with my phone and yep. pictures of water lilies and fish, and feel like life's worth living again after the most shitty day. I'm so right. glad that I'm not the only one that does that. Mm. Okay, what's the Instagram name? Because I'm going to have to go and stalk you on that too now. Oh, my best one's Street Organics. Okay, so just get on there. Yeah, yeah it's just, just food and veggies. <laughs> I just, just, I, just, that's our favourite thing. I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is. I'll tell you, Joe. my other favourite thing is your green frappuccino. Oh, yay. Green oh, frappuccino God. rules. It does. Don't, oh. don't, don't tell Leah this because she can't have coffee. She goes a bit oh. psycho. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm stimulant free. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Whatever. I'm stimulant free because I don't need <laughs> I need a sedative. Oh, do you react to coffee? Um, there's just more I'm more abundant when I have coffee and she I'm goes a little, psycho, little, I tell little you. much I'm, I'm more efficient. More abundant. Um, I, I'm very I'm very busy. I'm very driven and I start to work people out. I understand. Her mm. husband keeps her away from it. <laughs> Uh, maybe you could have a uh, one of those organic decaf type green frappuccinos yeah dandy latte what would you do with that yeah why don't we do a dandy Dandy latte green frappuccino yeah good idea Mm. i'm just a bit impressed right now (laughs) yeah i think i think you need to put that on your menu Kristen. Yeah, I think so. Look, yeah. if anybody is in the Melbourne area, you need to go to Street Organics because you can go there and have things like almond milk or coconut cream in your coffee and you can have – I'll tell yeah. them some of the things on the menu, Kristen. It's so delicious. You can have broth. Well, yeah, you can do. Do you do broth. broth? She has broth. It's true. And, um, you know, we've um, – one of my most ex- most satisfying things that we make in here is we make bucket loads of almond milk and cashew milk. And then we use a cold-pressed juicer to make it and we take all the pulp out of it and then we use the pulp to make vegan caramel slices. And Yum. Who needs pan of chocolate? And, hey? <laughs> I said, who needs pan of chocolate? We'll just go to exactly. street. Exactly. Yeah, we just, well, I had no idea. I'm thinking co-op as in, oh, well, I, you know, like it's a, a bag full of nuts and seeds. No, I had it's no both. Idea. It's everything. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. That just took me to a whole other level. I'm, I'm okay. I'm opening up like WebJet or something at the moment. I need to book a flight. <laughs> yes, yes. 
We'll get some frozen logistics happening. I'll send you a box. Whenever Actually, I can, you just start a franchise, and you know, yes, like, I'm in Sydney. I'm well, for the next three years. So if you could put it at yeah. the bottom end of George Street, that'd suit me just fine. Yeah. <laughs> it is on the cards, actually. Linda. Oh, that's so exciting! Oh, oh, happy dance, happy dance, happy dance. There's jumping in the kitchen, and she hasn't even had coffee. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm getting the picture now. Okay. Yeah. Okay, there was some other awesome stuff on the menu. Every time I go to Melbourne and visit Kristen, she sends me away with a box, a care package. It's so cute. And last time I went, I had this um, hollowed out baby coconut with all this fruit salad and chia and stuff in it with a little coconut lid on. And I had a dark chocolate with goji berries, all vegan. And I had, what else did I have? Um, All sorts of goodies, broths and... She, and almond milk and, yeah, she sends me away with this care package. It's so nice. Yeah. Salad, amazing salads. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly made by my husband now. He That's true. Salads. Mm. Um, can I just ask, because I need to ask for the men out there, how is your partner, husband, slash significant other, like how did he cope <laughs> through this? Because, you know, like I, I think most of our demographic at the moment is women, but, you know, like. Yeah, they do all, get a few guys listening. All, we do, but, yeah. well, you know, let's, let's champion them. Like how is this process for him? Yeah. Like where you is know, he at now? I'll tell you what, the first, the first 12 months he spent a lot of time away. Yeah. Um, for all sorts of reasons and running away was a big part of it because yeah. it was you know it's much easier for a woman to look at a crisis cry and then feel better but yes. men are a bit different so for they the want first, to fix things don't they yeah yeah so for the first 12 months he didn't say much and wasn't around much and yeah. now honestly he's the biggest kombucha fermenting <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's so the, the hippie lovely. chef yeah, he is. He's a big hippie chef and, well, he wasn't a chef before, but he's, he's just... He's like a chef. He's really found himself, you know. He has. He's completely pure. He's just done a 10-day lemon detox thing. Aww. He's always doing something to make himself feel better, oil pulling or, you know, brushing his teeth with activated charcoal or... <laughs> Oh, he sounds like a kindred spirit as well. I'm just he kidding. Is. Okay, all right. He's on I my mean, page. He, he, was very much, um, he was very much the hippie when I met him. So. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's so good. And so he's very supportive with it all. Obviously. Extremely supportive. I mean, so it, it really, good. I know a lot of women who have, are on this path with partners who don't get it, yeah. aren't interested, don't support it. and um, the, the widescreen TV type partners. Yeah, or even just more traditional medical yeah. background. I'm just you know. thinking of what the doctor said, you know, and they'd probably oh, go, yes, yeah, let's yeah, yeah. do that. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's right. And we look at our big screen TV, which doesn't get used very often and laugh about it often. Yeah, it's just, I bet. You know. Anyways, no, he's great. And, and I know that he's... Um, I know that he's a gem and not a lot of men cope with it as well, but... A lot of men read my book, actually. Quite a few women have told me that they've given my book to their husbands to get them on board, and that's, that's helped. Good. That's really sometimes good. you don't want to hear it from your wife. You want to hear it from someone else. So. I, don't yeah. think, I think that's very usual. Mm. It takes them a long time to come around to thinking the way that you do, and it's often because other people have talked to them, not because you have. That's what yeah. I've found. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I laugh about your story, Joe, when you said <laughs> your husband didn't even know you were famous until he was at work and someone showed him. 
<laughs> yeah, there. I laughed. I thought that was amazing too. Oh, he came. <laughs> yeah, that was only that was only a few months ago. He came home from work and said, "Someone at work said you really should start a Facebook page." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me? What do you think I've been doing all this time on Facebook, just chit chatting to my friends? No That's wonder right. he used to get annoyed with me being on there. <laughs> like I've been working. So funny. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I'm starting to try and use that excuse in my house, Joe. I'm blaming it on you, actually. Hey. It's, it's, it's Joe's influence. I'm and this working. is work. What have you done all day? There's no food. The floor hasn't been vacuumed in two weeks. What's going on? I've been busy at work. You know, That's like, right. It just doesn't find my house yet. I haven't got a big enough following. Facebook and, and writing and blogging and taking photos of food are my job. I can totally get away with it now. Woohoo! It's just <sighs> perfect, Joe, isn't it? What yeah. you've done, you've had the perfect life. I know. <laughs> Uh, so um is there anything else that we should know about grow foundation about the upcoming yes there is so we're going to actually host another series of webinars for people who want more information about the institute oh that's so exciting yeah so if you go to the grow foundation uh facebook page okay with a big orange circle You'll yeah. know you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll be hosting another um, round of webinars early in March just so that we can try and get as many people as we can because really it's just invaluable and it's it's heartbreaking when someone finds out about it and they've mm. just left and they've got to wait another 11 months. We need to really get the word out, don't we? It's true. But look, I have to tell you, I hear a lot of amazing stories, but one of the most breathtaking stories was from a mum who took me aside after the first course we did here in Melbourne and she said, you know, I, her little child had Down syndrome and I did a story in That's Life magazine oh, a few okay. ago. Yep. And she said that her mum had handed her this article so she bought my book. She read the book and she bought some of the Institute's books and started to do some of the exercises which are discussed in the books. And her little boy who had some major um, vision problems began to see. Oh, Wow. So she read my book. She changed a few things. She read some of the Institute's books written by Glenn Diamond and she started to do some exercise. She got her child to see. This was before she'd even done the course. So she's telling me this when she's standing there about to do the course. And I'm thinking, I mean, that's just from reading something. So then when you go and immerse in this information, I mean, honestly, Griff, just to give you a really practical example of this. So I I would take Griffin to an indoor play centre. And, of course, there's loads of noise and there's kids calling out and there's equipment and a lot of static. And mm. what the Institute describes auditory chaos manifests. Mm. So these mm-hmm. children can't actually pull out one single sound like me calling his name. It's very much like to that. It's very much like autism, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he would go to these indoor play centres and I'd call his name. I'd think he was ignoring me and then realise he just can't actually hear me. So then we took Griff when he was four. We took him to the institutes for an assessment. You don't have to do that, but we chose to do that. And um, they gave us some exercises, incredibly simple exercises, brought him home, did the exercises for two weeks. I took him back to the same indoor play centre. And again, I called his name and he replied, turned around and looked me straight in the eye and replied. And that's not going to see an expensive psych who's got this, that and the other, Mm. you know, technique. It's just something simple you can do at home. So that's what these guys do. You know the amount of money I invested in my children trying to get them to do that? They do it now, but if I could have done it 
in my own home without all the transitional issues and without the anxiety and without jumping in the car and having to go to an appointment and do all that other stuff and then to be able to, you know, to deliver that and, oh, wow. oh my gosh. It's so powerful. It is, absolutely. Wow. And a lot of, sadly, a lot of these parents go into lockdown mode and they don't yeah. talk to people, they don't have time for Facebook and so they're not out there banging the drum. They don't know. And yeah. there's more and more and more of them over here in, in Australia doing this work and getting right. amazing results. And there are some who have you know, agreed to be interviewed on the Grow Foundation website. Um, but, yeah, a lot of them just don't have time to go public. So. No. That's well, true. and it's a big thing. I struggled even doing coming to, to grips with the fact that Joe Whitten had invited me to come and co-host on her podcast because that meant I had to speak my truth and that meant I had to share. And in those early, early years, it was like you keep your head down, you don't tell anyone what you're doing because you don't want to send up any red flags. And there were so many things about children, you know, being taken away from their families because of dogs, because of those, you know, those things and those stories that pop up on Facebook, those were the things that kept getting to me. Yeah. So it was like, and even when I speak about my doctor, I don't say who it is. I don't mm. say where he is. I don't, you know, like I don't want to attract that to him if he doesn't need that extra um, yeah. hardship or, you know, like I don't want to do any of that for him because I still am cautious mm. with yes. what I'm doing. And even when I speak, I'm cautious with what I'm saying. But we're so much further down our path now that, yeah, we can shout it and we can say we've done all that because we've, you know, in my mind, we've completed, mm. you know, the hiding out stage. We're ready to blossom and we're ready to, to soar mm. and share the message. So, You've oh. got to go through that, I think. I was the same That's with right. Isaac, you know, yeah. with his diagnosis. I couldn't talk about it for months to yeah. anyone but very close friends. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Because you also, especially with a child, I mean, you know, I, I still wonder whether I've done the wrong thing by my son. And then... Really? And then I, <laughs> well, any time you think that, you ring me and I will give you an absolute beating over how wrong you are and to pull your oh. head out because that's stupid. <laughs> only because if you Google Griffin and Down syndrome or Google Griffin Morrison, he's all over the place. Oh, I see. And, um, you know, my mum said this to me when I was publishing the book. She said, maybe you should change his name in oh. the book. But you um, know what? It's when you think of how that's helped so many people, I know. And, and, and the thing is, as he gets older, I mean, every time the institutes are coming out, he's absolutely rubbing his hands together because he gets to show off again. Yeah, exactly. I he mean, probably loves it. Oh, <laughs> bless him. And, and he's so cute, guys. He's the poster to. child. Oh. He's so gorgeous. He, last year he was up on the table doing an exercise to show parents how to do it. Oh, oh. give him his own Instagram and yeah, and, and YouTube channel. He needs his own YouTube channel. Yeah. He will one day, but he's up on this table doing this exercise with these parents and he turned around to one of them and said, you're doing a really great job. Oh, that's gorgeous. Oh, I love him. I just want to, oh. That's so cute. He's pretty gorgeous. Oh, I haven't got to meet I, him. I don't really think I've done the wrong thing, but I just sort no. of wonder in my heart of hearts late at night sometimes, I think, what happens if he's 18 and hates me? No way. I think it'll be such a big part of his life that it won't it won't be a big issue. He's just yeah. used to that. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. It's done yeah. now. <laughs> well, I mean, like with Isaac, I did give him the choice because he was older and I said, do you yes. want to talk about it? Do you want me yes. to mention it? And I waited until he was ready. But right from the start, he was really saying, Mum, if it's going to help someone, talk about it. Mm. So I think... You know, because you're raising him that way, I'm sure that by the time he's yeah. old enough to think about it much, he'll be like, yeah, look at all the people we've helped, Mum. Don't be silly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's so awesome. 
Well, yeah. we, I think what we need to do also is get a blog post up on my blog so we can share this with lots of links and photos yeah. and things. That would be well, really good. I've been very efficient. You know how I like to multitask so and how efficient. I can't sit still. Actually, every time she said something, I went and Googled it. So I've cut and pasted already in there. So oh, like, I love like, you, Leah. I, I know. I know. Okay. So let <laughs> me get this right. Okay. So I've got the Institute's website, I've got the Grow Foundation Kids website, I've got Naturally Better Kids, I've got a Facebook page, I've got Street Organics. Is there anything I've missed? You're amazing. I suppose you've been unpacking the dishwasher while you've been speaking to us. I'm sure I heard something before. She was no, no, I didn't do that today. No, because but I can she do does, that when, when it's just Joe and I. I need, I have one voice to focus on um, and because I know her so well, it's, it's okay. But, yeah. yeah, there's another entity in the room. <laughs> I need some of those exercises, some of those ones, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the auditory processing exercises that we were just talking about. <laughs> I need some too. It's funny. We, we've got to tell everyone this. We were talking before we started recording. We were talking about what we do while we podcast. So Leah unloads the dishwasher. I I send messages to people, um, play with photos, and at the moment play with blue tack. We can't sit still. No, no. I've even got a spinning wheel. So even when I'm um, so when I was studying, I'd be listening to my lecturer and doing my work, and I'd have the spinning wheel going at the same time. And it's just yeah, I can't sit still. It's I the fidgety thing. Yeah, same here. Yeah, true. That's why we're so efficient and effective. Right. See. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. Well, I think, have we got any other questions? Can you think of anything else, Leah? Shall we finish up? That's no, been an hour well, or so. We should I suppose, I just wanted to sort of point out for everyone that's even considering, everyone's saying that, you know, like it's it's too hard, I can't do it, they've done so much. Mm. Um, it's just little steps. It's one thing at a time. It's not yeah. all in a big chunk. Yes. And it doesn't matter where you start, you can still make a difference and make a change, I yeah. think. So don't be overwhelmed and just get out there and start Start on Facebook. I really start love, on Facebook. I really love that story that you said about even two weeks of working on one little thing and yeah. the difference you saw. Yeah. So every little bit of thing that you work on really helps. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you do what you're capable of and if you're capable of doing four things you know, when you sort of successfully implemented one and then adding something else, if you can't, you pull back to three, you know, you yeah. just... That's yeah, right. And if yeah. you do, if you're not successful at it, don't take it on board as being your failure. No. Just no. take it on board as it wasn't the right therapy or it wasn't the right action for now and yeah. put it back in the toolbox and come and revisit. Choose something that's smaller yeah. that you can achieve yeah. and, and mm. be successful at that first. Definitely. That's right. I have to say one, one last thing, though. I, mm. I actually posted this on something on my Facebook um, about this, that, you know, when Griffin was tiny and I realised that he was going to need a lot of help, I actually sat him down and I gave him a good talking to. Yes. <laughs> and I did this again. My mum actually just did this again and, and I posted about the importance of actually yes, you telling did. what's happening because if you don't tell your child that they, I mean, you don't want to say, listen, you've got this really big problem no. to freak them out. But if you say, listen, hun, you know how you... Struggle? Do you, do you think that you struggle a little bit with certain situations and get there and say yes? They say yes. So they say, well, you know, there is a there is something we can do that can help you with that. And then you explain what it is that you might do that might be able to help them. And that way, you enlist the child's willingness mm -hmm. to go on this journey with you. Because I know a lot of parents who kind of think, okay, today we're going to do blah blah blah, and it becomes this sort of very dogmatic robotic kind of thing. And then the kids start to feel like it's punitive. And yeah. They don't want to help, you know, yep. they're part of it. So it's so important that you 
give the child as much information as you think that they can cope with and get them to help you. Yeah. So get them to feel that it's their choice and yes. it's an empowered <laughs> thing for them. Yeah. Mm. They've got an, an, an option. Mm. Absolutely they've got an option because mm. imagine... Imagine what it must feel like for a little child who's stuck in a body that's just not doing what they want it to do, the frustration. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I met a little child recently who was very, very ill and immobile and and I met him at a party and I I looked into his eyes and I said hi and I just sort of started talking to him like he was any other child, you know, whereas everybody else had been kind of ignoring him because he was just lying in this pram looking at the ceiling. I was like, I can't do this. So I went over and spoke to this child and he responded because it was like someone actually knows that I'm in here. Oh, darling. Yeah. And you look at some of these kids. Anyway, sometimes it's very very mild, sometimes very severe, but the point is just that the kid can agree to be helped. Yes. Mm. Well, so I think that um, I believe in, you know, heart intelligence and how if you're in a place of love, you can radiate that energy. And for Mm. these kids that struggle with communication and understanding their surroundings, I think Mm. they pick up on that and they're more sensitive to that, Mm. you know, that energy that comes in and out. I was sitting in a doctor's office in Queensland with my mum and there was a nonverbal child there who, you know, the eyes were all over the place. I have no idea what her diagnosis was. But... I was sitting there and I was in my happy place and I just thought she was gorgeous because she had a tutu on and I've got boys and all that other stuff. But she actually left her parents and came over and sat on my lap. Like she didn't yeah. make eye contact, she just came and sat. And she sat there and my mum went off to her appointment and this child just sat there and the parents went off to their appointment and Aww. the child just sat there. Aww. And like I didn't look, you know, like I was sort of looking at her at the corner of my eye and, you know, like mm-hmm. admiring her and she got up and came and did that. And I tell you, I sat there and I cried. Aww. I cried because I had this appreciation across the room of what she was and where she was. Yeah. And she picked up on that. We had no other communication. We had nothing. Mm. And, but we were, you know, like it's, oh, I think I think you're right. I think they do know. Yeah. Mm. They do know. You give them, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's amazing. Oh, girl. That's a big sigh. <laughs> oh, oh, I love doing this because all the emotion comes out. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll have to get together in Melbourne sometime. But aren't we lucky that we get to do what we love doing, you know? Oh, it's amazing. I think about that all the time. Me too. Mm. Oh, definitely amazing. <laughs> I love you guys. Group hug. And for anyone group else who's hug. listening out here, you're involved as well. You're automatically involved in the group hug. Okay, yep. so I want you to feel it. One, two, three. Feel the hug. Oh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are good fun. All right. Well, thank you so much, um, Kristen, for coming and talking to us about that. And, <laughs> and to all of you who are listening, um, we will definitely be posting something on my blog about this because it's too amazing not to share and I think we need to get the word out. Thank um, you. And so we'll, we'll get some, in, some any more info that you can dig up that you want us yeah. to add. Just send yeah. it my way, Kristen. I will. And we'll get that out Thank there. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thanks, Leah, too. And thanks. thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed it and that you're finding it encouraging and helpful and that if you've got any questions, um, I think Kristen said she doesn't mind you sending her a message on her Facebook page. Is that what you said? Oh, your, your website. Yeah. Send email's, her an email. Email is ideal. Okay. Yeah. Email through um, Kristen's website, which is, yes. do you want to say the address? So it's naturallybetterkids.com. Okay. That's easy. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and if you have any comments that you want to leave for us, you can leave them on our Facebook pages or on the website, thewellnesscouch.com backslash a quirky journey. And we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. 
And also check out the other Wellness Couch um, podcasts. There's lots of them. And just keep working on those small changes little by little. And we'll be back to share more of our journeys with you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.